Well, good morning. This is going to be fun. I am looking forward to this. Um, but this is going to be fun, actually, if there's group participation. Otherwise, we're going to be just sitting here staring at one another for a while, and then that will just be awkward. But, um, but that's, that's okay. I have an important question. How many of you got glasses when you were in elementary school? Online people, you raise your hand too. Um, how many of you remember what that was like? I can remember. I was in fifth grade, and my life was going just fine. And my mom swoops me up and plops me down in the eye doctor chair for no rational reason whatsoever. Do you remember what that was like? Some of you are going, no, I'm way too old. Um, I remember the absolute trauma of going to the eye doctor. We have an eye doctor behind me so he can appreciate this. It's not that anything hurt. It's just I've got this sense of someone is going to mess with my eyes. Right? And then the worst part of it is they sit you down and put you in this machine that you are certain that the test that they are going to give you is going to determine the rest of your life. And the test is number one or number two. <laughs> number two or number three. Number two or number 427. And you just know that if you fail this test, life is never going to be the same. And of course, I failed the test. And life was never going to be the same. I remember sitting there thinking, I can't play sports the same. I'm not going to look the same. People are going to think I'm weird. It's just, it's never, ever going to be the same. And then the day came that I got my glasses. And I remember vividly the drive home. And I remember vividly that there were houses up on a hill that, was, that we passed on our way home that for the first time ever, I realized they were not just dark splotches. I realized that these were wonderful, cheerful, colorful houses. And I realized right then that my life would never be the same. And there was no way I was ever going back to life without glasses. That's a silly story, but that actually captures well the process that we tend to go through in life. Life is going just fine. We are enjoying God's blessings. We are enjoying the normalcy of life. Sure, we're running into bumps every now and then, but in general, life is just fine. And then all of a sudden, it's like a rock drops on our lives. It's totally unexpected, totally unpredictable, and we are totally disoriented. We become confused. 
with what is happening and why it is happening. The things that we relied on just for a normal life are no longer things that we can rely on. And it feels like we are in chaos. But then something happens. God takes us out of that season of disorientation, a whole new perspective. We see things differently. We see ourselves differently. We see the world differently. We see God differently. And we say to ourselves, I never want to go back to how I used to see things before God took me through that period of disorientation. You can take the Psalms, every Psalm in the Bible, and you can put it into one of those three categories. Every Psalm is about either the period where life is going okay, you're experiencing the, the blessings of God, or, and this is actually where life seems chaotic and we are just totally disoriented, or we have a whole new orientation on life because God has delivered us. And this morning, we are going to work through Psalm 30, which is a psalm that falls into that third category, that last category. And you see, here's the thing. When we originally planned this service, we said to ourselves, by August 23rd, we're going to be on the other side of this pandemic. And it will be perfect for us to talk about how God has taken us through this season of disorientation. Well, we're still in the season of disorientation, but here's the fascinating thing about Psalm 30. By the time we get to the end of it, you're going to see that David still was praying for God's deliverance, even after he had already been delivered in significant ways. So I think Psalm 30 is perfect for us. And here's how we're going to do this this morning. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a lot different. Um, in a second, we're going to have Sonny Kim come up here and read the entire psalm for us. And uh, we are going to sing. And then we're going to work through the psalm again, section by section. And you'll see the psalm really divides into three sections. The psalm talks about what God did in the past, how he has delivered us in the past. And we're going to read that section, which is the first five verses. And then we're going to stop. And we are going to share with one another, how has God delivered us? This is a huge part of praise to tell one another what God has done. And so we're going to invite you to come up to the microphones. And by the way, that's really important. I know people don't like microphones, but it's important because if you don't use the microphones, the people out there uh, cannot hear you. So we're going to invite you to come forward and share after we read the first five verses. How has God delivered you? Verses 6 and 7 are different. Verses 6 and 7, David takes a look at himself and says, there are reasons that I had to go through that season of disorientation because there are ways that I needed to grow as a group as well. How has God grown us during this time? And then the psalm ends with David looking to the future and saying, this is how I still need you to deliver. And so we're going to share with one another, what are we trusting God for today? Where is our faith? What are we asking God to do as we move forward from here? 
And all during that time, we're going to be singing and we're going to be praying and we're going to be sharing. And I think this is going to be an exciting time of sharing how God is at work. Well, Sonny, why don't you come up and read Psalm 30 for us? Hi, my name is Sonny Kim. Today's passage is Psalm 30, a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought, me, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, you restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Attend here regularly, then you know that it's not a normal thing for me to carry my phone around, and I certainly don't usually text during the sermon. Um, here's what we're doing this morning, which I think is really cool. We are, um, we've kind of got a chain of communication set up for those who are with us online, you can post how you would like to share this morning, and Adam is texting me uh, what you post, and so then I can share with the entire congregation. So, um, so that's why I'm carrying this around. I'm not just like playing video games. Um. <laughs> Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. I want to point out in these first three verses a couple of things that are important for us to catch. It's interesting that David starts by saying, I extol you, Lord, that is literally, I, Lord, I lift you up. And that's interesting because he will go on to say, Lord, that's what you did for me as you lifted me up. That idea of you drawn me up is a picture of a water well and, and a bucket that goes down deep into a pit and comes back up and is drawn back up. And David is creating this. Uh, that's what he was in. He was in a situation where it's like he was at the bottom of a pit. But God has drawn him up. It says, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. This is not necessarily about David being attacked by an enemy, as we're going to see. 
But David had opponents that were so set against him that had David died of illness, which seems to be the issue here, that they would have thrown a party. Verse 2 says, I cried for help and you healed me. God, I, I lifted up my need. I prayed to you and God listens to the prayers of his people. You have brought my soul from Sheol. That's a way of saying, I was in the grave. I was close to death. You restored my life from among those who go down to the pit. That's saying the same thing again. I was at the verge of death, and you saved my life. What was David's season of disorientation? David's season of disorientation was he was apparently in a place where he was this close to death, where through illness or other circumstances, it was very reasonable to think that he would die. And even in the midst of that, he's not getting any compassion from his enemies. He is getting a sense that they would throw a party. They are so opposed to him. He's dealing with, with sickness, the threat of death, and serious opposition. That's his season of disorientation. And what David does in these first three verses is he looks back and says, God, you delivered me. Look at verses 4 and 5, because in verses 4 and 5, he changes from praying to God to talking to the people around him. Sing praise to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That is what David invites all the people around him to declare He's saying, you know this is true. You know it is true that God's favor lasts forever. You know it is true that weeping is replaced with joy. You have seen it in your life. You have seen it in my life. Now I want you to declare it in a way that others around you hear. This is an interesting thing about praise in the Bible. We tend to think of praise as something that we do that's between us and God. But praise in the Bible is consistently not just us and God. It is consistently the declaration to one another of how God has been faithful. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to declare to one another how God has been faithful. And we're going to start, and I'm going to have Rebecca start making her way this way. We're going to start by hearing about something that our children's ministry did to take the favor and blessing of God and make it tangible to other people. And then as she says, why don't you go ahead and put up the next slide. What I want you to consider is how have you seen this in your life over the last several months? How have you seen it in your life since we started the 40 days of prayer? And here are some prompts just to get you thinking. How has God answered your prayers? How have you experienced God's favor? How has he restored you when you were down? How has you experienced his holiness? How has God turned weeping into joy? 
And then what I'd love for you to do is to come forward and share on the microphone. Now, Rebecca's being a really good example for us. It is important for us to actually wear the mask so we keep the microphone clean and sanitized and so people don't know who you are. Um, <laughs> so um, start thinking, how can you praise God by sharing with one another how you've seen his deliverance, his favor, his work over the last several months? So Rebecca, tell us about Mission Longview. Sure. Um, it's kind of weird speaking through a mask to the microphone, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mission Longview. It is a interdenominational uh, Longview citywide ministry. And so what it is, it, is it takes uh, middle school kids from fourth grade through eighth grade and kids from all over the community. We come together to spend three days of doing service projects in our community and to learn more about our service leaders. And we have had a lot of um, challenges this summer with having to cancel VBS and, and um, having to not have an activity, an event for the kids at Easter time. And so we've seen a lot of um, sorrow and heartache in the kids' ministry. And we decided to go ahead and do Mission Longview. We took a group of 14 kids and five leaders. And after the first day, all of the leaders and kids said, it is so good to be around other people, to see their smiles, to see their faces, and then most importantly, to go and serve our community. So we were able to go to the Longview Dream Center one day, um, Longview Community Mysteries the next day, and then the Longview Arboretum the third day. And the people that we went and served were so thankful that we were there. They were so excited that we were there. We had fun serving. We had several kids say, can I do this all the time? That was really awesome to hear that doing service party was something that they wanted to do all the time. So we got to see God at work in us, in the places where we went and served, and just to see his faithfulness that people still need people, that other people still need us to be out there serving and sharing his love, and that we can still see his work in the, in the good times and the bad times. And so we were just truly blessed by this, and we're able to bless our community as well. Rebecca, thank you so much. I'd invite others to come forward. How have you seen God's favor, God's deliverance? Remember, this doesn't work unless someone comes forward. Go ahead. Share with us. You can do that microphone right there, too. You can use that microphone right there. Hi, my name is Ellie Taylor. I, uh, the way God has shared my love is actually throughout my life. Uh, I do have a learning disability, and it always made me feel different all through my life. But my, I've been lucky that I have two great parents who show me God's way and show me that I am loved. I recently found out that I had to go on disability for physical and mental reasons. I felt like a failure at first. But God has given me the greatest pay payment of all, which I can love these people at Holland Pines. I can love you all here. And God has done great things. And I just want to share with you all that uh, I believe in him fully. And I know that he has a plan for everybody, including me. Thank you so much. God is at work. How else is God at work? What are you seeing? Yeah, go ahead. Linda Brantley's. Lord is good, amen? Amen. So I don't know about you, 
but I sometimes struggle with stress and anxiety, and especially in, in times like this. It's a little dismaying or disheartening uh, to look around the world, see the news, etc., etc. But as I said, the Lord is good, and sometimes we have a misconception that when we say the Lord is good, we think that means the Lord wants us to be happy all the time or things are easy all the time. And in reality, when we say the Lord is good, it means he knows what we need, not what we want. And so through his grace and mercy, uh, he used anxiety and stress to show me that I was letting myself or Satan or anxiety steal my joy. And that I needed to rest in him, relax. I needed to be even deeper in my dependence on him. And of course, there's always less on myself. So praise be to God for an increased appreciation for his joy and his rest. Thank you, Jim. Brantley's. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. My name is Rachel Brantley, and this is my husband, Paul. Good morning. <laughs> and our story goes back a little bit further. Um, so Paul and I first met in the January of 2019, I believe. And um, we met and, you know, it was, um, we had coffee together and then he invited me to the Tyler Rose Garden, which was, you know, in January. So all the roses were dead and he was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> Planning. <laughs> and, but we, we got to know each other and we were, we were, we, we found another Christian that was very similar, and it was just a blessing in and of itself, right? Um, in March of that year, uh, my parents, who live in Western North Carolina, uh, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and um, they found a lesion, and my father was a surgeon, so instead of doing chemo, he decided to go with a complicated surgery. Um, it didn't go so well. And so um, he was on advanced medical care for an extended period of time. Um, but during that time, it was really interesting. God interwove our story with that. Um, so, um, so he was diagnosed in March, had a surgery in April, and the first time that Paul came out to North Carolina was in May. And, um, you know, at that time, uh, my dad had lost a lot of weight, wasn't looking very good, things like that. Um, and it was just such a blessing um, for him to get to meet Paul. And like we had met before any of this ever started, and just seeing God's hand in that was tremendous. Um, and so it was really interesting because uh, in my neck of the woods in Western North Carolina, we have this food called liver mush, which is about as appetizing as you would expect. And um, so you fry it and you put it on a biscuit. That's how it's eaten. And so my dad, of course, wanted Paul to try liver mush, right? And so he tried it. And then what did you do? Uh, I sent him a jar of candied jalapenos. <laughs> For him to try uh, is kind of a, a uh, challenge back to him. But they, they took it in, in good humor. Uh, and there were, it was really remarkable how many opportunities I had to visit them in such a short period of time. Uh, 
I was able to be there for their 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, I, I felt like I got to know him pretty well. And there were very, very many parts throughout this story where I felt God's hand. And it's, I could be up here all morning explaining all of them, but I think probably the, uh, the, the most touching part for us was that uh, I had decided, because we all plan these things and everything always goes exactly to plan, that uh, I was going to wait a year before proposing to Rachel. Uh, but November came along in, in October and November, and Rachel's dad took a turn for the worse. And he, uh, it, we weren't sure how long he was going to make it. And he, uh, when it got particularly bad, Rachel uh, was spending quite a bit of time up there with them, and uh, they thought he might not make it through the night. So she gave me a call and she said, if you want to ask his permission, this may be the time. Hmm. And uh, I thought about it for a little bit and I decided that I wanted to ask his permission. And so uh, God was gracious in giving me the opportunity to talk to him and get his blessing uh, during his life. Yes. And it's the, the joy that God provided through that during that period of time was really something. And, um, you know, I have two older brothers and quite a few uncles, and, you know, they, they gave Paul a hard time, but um, he fits in just great with our family, and God knew exactly uh, when we needed to meet and when my father would get diagnosed and the things that would go through that and how he would provide. I'm, I'm listening for themes, and um, there are themes of God's provision of people when we need them most. Um, of God taking times of anxiety, grief, and working moments of joy into them that are beyond explanation. Would you pray with me as we thank God that he does just that? Heavenly Father, we stand before you in awe that you are capable of taking the darkest moments and not just delivering us from them, not just protecting us from what might have been, but turning these darkest moments into moments of laughter and joy, of peace and rest. Lord, we thank you for the people that you put into our lives, whether they be parents, friends, church. Lord, that you put into our lives to be the tangible expression of your love as we will times. And Lord, we thank you that you even give us the joy of turning around and as our children's ministry did, being that support for others. And you bless us in that. 
even in a time when it would be so easy to be self-focused, you allow us the opportunities to love others. Lord, you are good and you love us. And we acknowledge that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This is from Kelly Leibarger. Here's one of how God has answered a prayer. One summer, I was asking God for a solution to summer care for my kids. That same day, I learned about the martial arts summer camp. Um, the people there have been such a positive influence on my two kids. I still see God's faithfulness and the simple prayer being answered. We are still benefiting from that, and it has been at least four years. So many times that I feel renewed just thinking about it. Um, that may be from Tony Draper. I'm not sure. I have two names there. Um, God is at work. Psalm 30, verse 6, David changes the focus again. He's still looking backwards, but now he's looking backwards at himself, and he is observing that maybe there is a reason that God took him through this time. It says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. You see what David is saying here. David is saying, I was comfortable. I had what I needed. I lacked for nothing. And so I said to myself, I'm untouchable. I am untouchable. Life is great. And then verse 7 digs even deeper into it and explains just why he was in that situation where he thought things were going great. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying that it's God's very blessings that led him to believe that he was untouchable. And sometimes when life is going well, that's exactly what happens. We think it's the things that we get from God, our job, our routines, our relationships, our friendships, our finances. We think it's the blessings that we get from God that are, that are what make us secure. And what David had lost sight of was it wasn't those things that God had given him that made him secure. It was God himself. And so what did God do? God said, David said, you hid your face from me, God, and I was dismayed. David had to the, come to the point of realizing that he had lost his focus on who God was and what God's role was in his life, and he needed to grow. And that's what I want us to share next. And this is awkward, this is hard, but I want us to share how has God caused us to grow during this season of disorientation. Why don't we put up the next, go ahead and put up the next slide. And here are just some things to prompt your thinking. How has God reminded you of your dependence on him? How has God deepened your trust in him? How has God caused you to see things differently? How has God convicted of your sin, especially of self-reliance? That was David's issue. He took the blessings of God and confused it with being self-reliant. How has God changed what you value. I, uh, a few weeks ago, had the privilege of hearing the story of Dustin and Diane Neal and how God has been working in their lives. And I asked them to start off this time by sharing that story with all of us. And as they're sharing, you can feel free to start coming up to the microphone and really just answer the question, how has God grown you during this time?
I'll preface this with my daughter is uh, mid-meltdown, so just bear with us. She brought her child, Reagan, up here. Uh, we are the Neals. We've been here for about six, six years. Um, the silver teeth kind of took us in, and um, we have just haven't been the same. Um, we're both educators, so we deal with children all the time, But so I can speak a lot. So can I. Like, But I'm going to cut it short, okay? I and promise. I want to try. She's going to try. Okay, first and foremost, uh, I accept the Lord in uh, eighth grade. I was the model youth citizen. I mean, they had me in the ministry by like 10th grade, okay? They were signing papers. He's a preacher, okay? They did. I was leading worship. I mean, every concert, you could hear me, skillet, great, yeah. Went to ETBU and completely fell apart. Why? Mm. Because I just said, if I die today, I get to go to heaven. I met this outcast at ETBU. We were the ones that everyone said, stay away from them. <laughs> well, all those people that yes, said, said to stay away from us, they're divorced. <laughs> and the outcasts, the outlaws are still married. But that's not because of anything to throw shame. The thing is, is hold on, Heidi. Yes. I've been a Christian since eighth grade. During the anxiety of COVID, um, I quickly learned something, and that is that he wasn't my Lord. And um, once I realized that, that yes, I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian, I, I can tell you every basic thing you need to know, I can smile the right way. See what I deal with? Talking with my wife, who for a long time has been my um, strength at home, um, an example, her Bible looks like her drawing. She has studied it so much in these past five years, and I've just coasted. I'm about to sum it up, I promise. COVID-19 brought a lot of anxiety for me as an educator because we know that education is based on the economy. Our roof was falling in. Whoa, we had a hole. God provided us with a new roof. God provided us with siding because we, we had the ugliest house in the neighborhood. And during a pandemic, everything in the world's changing for us for the good. But ultimately, it came down to this. I'm not just, a, I'm not just saved by Christ. I had to say, I've gone all these years without saying, be my Lord. And once I did that, there's nothing that tops the word. All right. I'm going to share a little bit now. Uh, I know a lot of people address the COVID as, oh my gosh, I wish this would have never happened, but COVID-19 was exactly what I needed. Prior to COVID, I can genuinely say that I made myself an idol. Um, if, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, my world revolved around fitness. I, I'm very much into going to the gym and stuff like that, nutrition. And if it did not fall into, hold on baby, if it did not fall into that as well as being the best high school teacher that I could be, I didn't have time for it. And then COVID hit us and I was so happy. Actually, and I guess I'm revealing this for the first time, um, on New Year's Eve, <laughs> as I was putting Heidi to bed, um, I got down on my knees and I prayed 
in the bedroom. You don't know this. And, and I was like, God, I'm tired of this. This is a, a, a cycle I can't get out of. And I'm looking at everything outside of you to comfort me to the point where I'm now looking at things that are worldly, things that are new age. And I mean like as in new age practices, not Christian. They're advertised as Christian, but they're not. You can find them at Smart Air. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish that. We'll talk about that at another time. But, uh, oh gosh, I just realized that's happening too. Sorry about that. Hey, it's great. And I, I was just sick and tired of it. So I got on my knees and I'm like, Lord, please, please, please change the dynamic of my home. Equip my husband to be a leader in our home. Which I wasn't. And equip me, Lord, to finally be this woman of Christ that I'm saying that I am, but I know that I'm not. So... Uh, one of the very first things that happened that was a blessing is it was like January 6th. I had to cancel my gym membership. And I was going to like a big bodybuilder, muscly gym downtown. And I had to get rid of the gym membership because it was out of our budget and we were starting the Dave Ramsey stuff. The American dream. <laughs> and... That was an idol that I had held on to forever. And I finally, it was gone. She eats now too, which is great. Healthy. Thanks. <laughs> so that happened. And then I finally started getting back into the word. And I didn't even know where to start. So I chose a book I had read before that's my favorite, and that's Revelation. And I know some people are like, what? You're going to start off with that? But I, I read it, and I was reminded of the worship that happens in heaven. And how the saints are bowing down on their feet, and they're just praising God for what he has done. And just imagine, imagining the majesty of the Lord. I was like, I can't go back to that. I cannot go back to that. And then... COVID came and we couldn't go back to the schoolhouse. So we were trying to do the best we could online. And then I had all this time. So I was like, I'm going to read this Bible again. And I'm going to mark it up even more. I've got like highlights on top of highlights. I'm not even kidding. Uh, and just, it was such a good time of <laughs> learning. <laughs> Hold on, baby. <laughs> of... Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Of what a godly woman really looks like. Reading 1 Timothy. And that just, whoa, that rocked my world right there. And I love basically anything that John the Apostle writes. I'm like, this is my favorite. I jump from one book to another and I'm like, oh no, this is my new favorite. This one's my new favorite. But just, uh, I'm currently, I'm about to finish 1 John. And I'm sorry, I keep on talking. You are a lot better than me. Anyway, uh, sorry, <laughs> I said I would try. Um, just realizing these truths that if you love the Lord, you'll keep his commandments. 
and this is a big one too, and I think I'm gonna cut it off here because I literally could keep on going. An area that I know that I was not following the Lord and was loving the saints, loving the brethren. And at the end of 1 John chapter 4, it talks about the one that claims to love God but hates his brother is a liar. Because how can you claim to love God who you have not seen and hate the one that you have seen? So that, that's completely... I'm sorry. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is this. Quite a, quite a few of you in this church have done an amazing job at loving us. Yes. And that's why we're still here. Yeah. And uh, we love you. Yeah. So, I, I think I got... That's... Sorry, I was really, really long. I just kept on talking. There, there's not a time limit here on saying thank you to the Lord for how he is working in our lives. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anyone else want to share? How, how has one God thing, grown one, you? One thing. Okay, Heidi wants to say something. You go, Heidi. Please be appropriate. I have um, 1,000 babies. <laughs> she does. She is going to be a, a, a good Christian mom. <laughs> Parenting. How has God reminded you of your dependence on him? Parenting. I just feel like in so many ways, uh, and I feel like I'm shaking, um, because... I am, I am learning of God's faithfulness. So often when we hear God, the, kind of that phrase, God is faithful, we think sometimes that that means then God will do what I'm asking and God will do it the way that I think is best. And, uh, and that's not often the way he does it. And sometimes that's really frustrating. But, um, but God is faithful. He is, he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. Um, he will keep his promises. And uh, I often have times... Um, again, parenting, where I'm up late, Slade and I talking and going, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if we're doing this right. Um, just struggling through things. And so often we have gone to bed just with this feeling of hopelessness, like, I don't know how to do this. We're not sure how to, what are we going to do tomorrow when we get up? And um, over the last few months and, and even few years, as I have um, been in a Bible study with some a small group of ladies, and they have prayed with me and you know, we've prayed with each other and, and walked with each other. One thing that I have learned is that when I say God is faithful, what I need to focus on is God, not my situation. And so there have been times where I'll be up in the middle of the night and I just can't sleep and I'm tossing and turning and I'm annoyed because everybody else in the house is asleep. And, um, but I have, in my Bible, I have begun a list, and this has been over the course of years, that I'll add to it of God's attributes and God's characteristics and, um, and what I have begun to do, and it's not, I don't feel like doing this all the time, but what I have begun to do, the choice I have made is I get up and I open my Bible and I read through those characteristics. I pray through those characteristics. So it's not always change the situation or work in the situation. I do, those are my prayers also, but I'm learning that it, it really changes my perspective when my prayer time is, God, you are a promise keeper. God, you are trustworthy. Lord, you give wisdom. God, you give guidance. And I'm walking through these um, characteristics. And sometimes at the beginning of my prayer, I'm angry because I don't, I don't want to focus on God. I want him to change my situation. But every time I do this, and I, I don't even always do it in the middle of the night, just any time in my prayer time, um, I'm trying to get better at doing this, at just reminding me of who God is and that he is faithful. And 
we have those psalms of lament, and uh, our women's ministry recently, uh, Anne walked us through learning how to, um, how to pray and lament, that that's an okay thing. And, uh, and so I've gotten good at that. But, um, but just that reminder that God is faithful and that God can handle my emotions. He can handle my struggle. And even if he doesn't change it the way I want him to or doesn't work in it the way I want him to, that I can focus on who he is because he is faithful and he doesn't change. And, um, and I feel like that is something that we have seen a lot during COVID. It's just been such a crazy time, but God has not changed. Our world is changing. The normal might be changing, but God has not changed because God is faithful. And um, so that has just been very encouraging and, and growing uh, in my life. So just for the record, I've said this out loud before. Um, I love having kids in the service. And part of us being a family, which is how the Bible describes us, is being okay with kids being kids in the service. And parents not feeling the pressure that their kid has to be perfect. I mean, the early church didn't have children's ministry. This probably is exactly what happened when Paul was preaching. If that is, if kids weren't falling out of the window, um, which we know happened in the book of Acts. So it's okay. And I just want to encourage you as parents, it's okay. It's okay. Your children are always welcome here. Always, even if they get up and dance. Now, if they do this during a sermon, it will be awkward, but um, it's okay. Anyone else want to share how God has grown them? I need you, 
takes another turn. David pivots there again. His focus is now on a cry to the Lord. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. You can see he's already talked about his deliverance, so there are some ongoing effects or ongoing issues that David needs deliverance from, and so he turns back to the Lord and asks for it. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? In other words, David is still even worried about his life. And he's saying, God, if I die, I can't tell people of your faithfulness. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. It's interesting, he goes back to what he praised God for in verse 2, where he said, thank you, God, you were my helper when I called out for you. And he says, Lord, be my helper again. And so we are going to turn our focus to what are we trusting God for now? And let me challenge you with this thought. If everything in your life you can accomplish through your own experience, talents, and abilities, then where is your faith in God? If everything that you are hoping for, you think you can accomplish on your own, then where is your faith? I have asked Bruce Chase to come forward and start this sharing time with us. Well, he's going to talk about what he is trusting God for and what his family is trusting God for as they move forward in what has been a difficult season. Well, good morning. Uh, when I got this, I was thinking about, well, what do I share? Um, and just asking God to, to speak through me. This was posted on Facebook. Let me read this. I have been grieving the loss of good dreams. I felt like we're from the Lord. Due to being hemmed in with chronic illness and struggling to offer those back to God in a sacrifice of praise. I have wrestled immensely with who I am, what my purpose is, and how I can give glory to God with a life that feels aimless at times. Last night I was listening to a sermon and the pastor shared Soren Kierkegaard's definition of sin 
as placing your identity in anything other than God. I see God's grace is in not allowing me to place my identity in anything other than being his child. He has been working in my heart to see that the hardships God has allowed in my and my family's life are purposeful and merciful. I praise God for that. I want to point out a theme that we heard in people who shared just now. God takes seasons of disorientation. And the way that he grows us very often is by giving us a bigger picture of who he is. Of his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness, his love, his protection, his care. We heard that in different forms through all of these stories. Would you join me in praying and thanking God that he grows us in these times? Father, we do recognize that you are at work growing us, making us more like your son, and there is nothing better in life than being like Jesus. Lord, David got confused about what the good life was. He thought it was all the blessings that he had received, his prosperity, his strength, and you reminded him that the good life is being in relationship with you and growing. And Lord, you are doing that for us, and we thank you for that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things. One, I think, is a global thing. As we've been going through this pandemic, a prayer that has just been echoing through my mind is a prayer for healing. Globally, we need healing spiritual healing first and foremost we're putting our faith i'm putting my faith in the wrong things we need physical healing we need relational healing we need all of this healing and i'm looking forward to seeing what god is doing globally and we're seeing some things globally where the church is instrumental in some healing and it's i'm looking forward to more of that Personally, um, I have two adult children at home now that are looking for jobs. And I'm looking forward to and praying for jobs where God is going to grow them, allow them to use the gifts that he's given them, that they will be lights for him in those places and just watching what God does with them through that. This week, one morning, um, I was getting stuff ready to go to work. I was thinking about, uh, and I didn't ask James to share this, but I hope it's okay, James. Uh, James has had a couple interviews, didn't pass the interviews for jobs. And I was thinking about, man, you know, I know him. I would hire him. I think a lot of him. And people are saying no because they don't have the time to get to know him. Hmm. And God whispered, I know. They do the same to my son.
So I'm looking forward to seeing his name. No. Who else would like to share? What are you trusting the Lord for? How do you long to see his mercy? How do you want to grow in your trust for the Lord? How do you want to grow in obedience? Yeah. Hi, my name is Monica. And um, although I grew up in church and I've been a Christian since I was young, um, one of the things that I um, we decided to do, my husband and I, we both got married and um, we both came from different faith backgrounds. Um, both which seemed to feel to us as overbearing at times. Um, and so we made this choice that when we had our children, we weren't going to do that. We weren't going to be overbearing. We weren't going to really give them the same things that we got. We decided to raise them with morals and standards versus biblical um, truths and what God had commanded for us to do. Um, with COVID-19 and everything, our children are now adults mm -hmm. and communicate to our children and um, show them that God is merciful. Um, we both saw when this all came down, we saw things that we had been taught when we were young. Um, things to watch for, things to pray for. Um, when this next life happens, I have my children with me. Um, they're all adult children, and so we are having to go about this differently than things to be prepared for. And we sat and we thought, you know, our kids don't know this. Hmm. They don't know these stories. They don't know these things to look for. They don't know these evils to watch out for. And um, so I'm asking for God's mercy and his healing in our, our home. A parent who has small children um, can do by bringing their children to church or telling them on a daily basis or making them go to Awana, that sort of thing. So we have to go about things a little differently. Um, last Sunday, we um, sat them all down and we gave them a Bible. We made sure that we put their names on each one, and we said, you may make the choice to never open this book, but we please keep it with you always, because there may be a time where you feel that you can open this book and read and understand what's in it. Um, we started coming to church, and um, we asked them whenever they get a chance, you know, do you want to go with this? And some will say, no, and some will say, yeah, maybe next Sunday, and I think that we're just going to continue to do that. So our prayer is that God will touch each and one of their lives the same way he's touched ours, and um, we'll be all together in eternity at the end. That's great, and that is a prayer we join you in. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be honest, I sat back there in that back row of the pew for both the first times, wondering if I should get up and come here and talk. And I was like, what would I say? What would I talk about? And both times, I was like, Lord, give me a chance to go up. And this third time, I felt him pull me up here, I guess. 
uh, I can relate a lot. I was saved when I was 10 years old, and I thought that was it. I was done. I didn't have to do anything else. And uh, talents and looks only get you so far in life. Um, and it really didn't hit me until these last two and a half weeks being back at school. And the first couple days were really busy, and I was like, okay, I can handle this. I've handled stuff like this before. And then it just kept piling on and piling on piling on and piling on until I was like, this is something I can't be vulnerable to have to make decisions for about 50 different what I'm doing. I've never been in a position like this where I've been so people on the floor and hope that I'm making the right decision. And on top of that, right before I'm making all these decisions, I lose someone that I thought I had finally made the right decision on. I thought I was doing right by God and right by her and I don't know if it was God taking her away from me or if he was trying to show me something else, but I think through all this, I've been praying a lot for guidance and clarity as to what I need to do. And with that testimony by that couple and that awesome little girl with the confidence to like run around on stage, uh, I realized I need to look at a lot more than just guidance and clarity. I need to look at my life. And so I pray that I'm going to give everything to God more. I'm just going to put all, everything I can in his hands and try to live a better Christian life. So, thank you. Mark. Sorry. <laughs> My name is Mark uh, Woodson. Um, been a Texan for about a year now. And uh, I love it. Um, long story short, uh, God's taken the last 20 years of our marriage and the <clears throat> years of our my life and uh, put us here for a very good reason. Um, this church family has been a very faithful family, uh, very welcoming. Um, but it's clear to see how God has worked. Um, I mean, this could take hours, but step by step over the last many, many years to put us in the spot where he wants us every time, um, in spite of ourselves often, and um, in spite of myself very often, but um, it's, it's in the last year or two, um, especially taking the massive jump to just leave the place where our entire family grew up, um, born and raised, and just to say goodbye to California, our small group, our church family, our entire life and um, just put that faith in God that he wants us to take care of our family and he's put us here for a very good reason and um, over the last couple of years he keep showing me that um, there's always a very good reason and if you just kind of lean back and let God just take care of things and remember that he's always 100% in control it makes it easier to do things day by day and to just uh, be sure that if you just put your trust in God and know that it really doesn't matter what you do, he's going to be there to take care of you and to show you the best path for you. It, it just makes things so much easier to just take that giant leap of, hey, let's move to Texas. So uh, I'm thankful for this church family. I'm thankful for God just uh, keeping us, reminding us every single day that he's got a perfect plan for us every time. And if we just kind of 
focus on God, have faith in what he's doing in us, um, in hindsight, we'll recognize that God's always in control. He wandered to Texas and ended up in the church of someone who used to live in, in fact, came to Christ in the very tiny Northern California town that you moved here from. So let's do a couple more. Bailey? Um, hello, my name is Bailey Livingston. I am John and Kathy's daughter, not Eric and Katie's. Just to clear <laughs> that up now. Um, and starting in July, I got an internship a couple hours away from here up near Dallas. This is the first time I've been on my own. I'm a Laterno student, and so I've been living at home and commuting. It's a lot cheaper. But now I'm living in a cabin in my grandparents' backyard, and I'm taking care of my own food. I, it's not equipped with running water, so I have to cart my own water out to the cabin. And I'm also working full-time and taking two classes. So it's a lot. And a lot of the time, it feels like I can't do it. Especially because after the first week, I managed to start catching pneumonia. So hmm. I had walking pneumonia for a good month to six weeks. And it's really hard to get up at six o'clock in the morning when you really just want to sleep in five more minutes because you're exhausted, you're trying to heal. And it's also hard to go from being surrounded by people who love you. I have a big family, so I'm used to having people around to talk to, to help out. I don't have that because I have to be careful how much time I spend with my grandparents so that I don't risk exposing them to COVID. And that's been a huge struggle for me. Thankfully, God has let me come home pretty much every weekend so I can see my family and my friends. But my prayer and what I'm trusting God for is that I will make it all the way to December in one piece with my sanity. <laughs> and still pass classes and honor God at my workplace. Uh, my name is Wayne Taylor. Uh, it's my wife, Barbara, sitting over there. Uh, I've been coming to church here since uh, 2015. And when David uh, cries out to the Lord, uh, Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Now, I used to cry out to the Lord all the time. If you let me die in here, nobody's going to know what you've done for me. And crying out in that prayer was while I was in prison. And I, I served over 30 years. Didn't know the Lord when I went to prison. But I come to know the Lord while I was there. And so it was constantly going back and forth between I want out, I want out, I don't want to die in here, I don't want to see my parents pass while I'm in here. And my mother did pass while I was locked up. But when I got out in 2015,
I had been released from prison a long time before that. And I was so concerned and so focused on, I have to get outside of here, that the Lord finally opened my eyes and said, you know, I'd released you a long time ago. And, you know, you're either going to serve me in here, you're going to serve me out there, but you're going to serve me somewhere. And since I've been out, I had uh, the honor and the opportunity to take care of my dad. Uh, he ended up with Parkinson's and uh, had cancer, so I was his uh, caretaker for like the last three years of his life. But I'd like to tell you a story about how God provides in this faithfulness that when I got out, I came here, and I did not want to really meet anybody. I didn't really want to have to talk to anybody because the subject would probably be brought up, where are you from, and what do you tell them? So I tried to sneak through that door right there, and there was a gentleman named Virgil. First thing out of his mouth is, you're new here, aren't you? Where are you from? <laughs> so I told him, I said, I'm from Huntsville, Texas. And he says, really, what would you do there? <laughs> I said, well, I just got out of prison not too long ago. And he said, well, how long did you do? I'm trying to get by him, and he won't let me get by him. <laughs> so I told him, I said, well, I did about 33. And he said, 33 months? And I said, no, 33 years. And he said, hold on a minute. And he goes and gets Ralph Richards. Ralph comes over and introduces himself to me. And the next thing I know, here comes David Fisher. And so the very first day I'm here, these men could have cared less about my past. Mm. All they cared about was, what are you doing now? Come on in. And then I met some other uh, brothers and sisters since I've been here. I met Mike Hood very shortly after that. And just think it's easy to take it for granted, the body of Christ coming here. And we just, you know, we get used to it. But without the body, I would really have struggled when I got out. I really would have. Because in prison, you're surrounded by people 24-7. You don't really have to go seek fellowship. It's right there. And, you know, out here you have to make a conscious effort. And I, I just want to praise God because I know that everything I have now, beautiful wife, a good job, a good church family, that God's the reason for that. I haven't done anything to deserve it, and I just give him all the honor and the glory. Katie Harrison wrote, I work as a speech therapy assistant in a local school. This year has been, this year was going to be stressful because of COVID. Trying to figure out social distancing with elementary students, wearing a mask while doing speech therapy and figuring out how to see all of my students individually instead of in groups was a huge challenge. Then I found out that my mom had COVID. My kids had been staying with her all week. I went and picked them up after I got and I got tested myself. The next day, Dan and the kids all went to get tested. That Saturday, I lost my sense of taste and smell. The next day, my test came back negative. I got another test that Tuesday, and it came back positive. So I couldn't work. I couldn't help my coworkers. My kids couldn't go to school. 
I felt like my perfectly planned out life was crashing. But God, he protected my family. Dan and the kids had negative tests. They haven't developed any symptoms. My symptoms have been mild. We're figuring out social distancing. Hopefully I can go back to work and the kids can go to school on Wednesday. We are so thankful that God is seeing us through this. This has been a huge teaching moment for the kids. It has grown our faith. We will be okay because of the Lord's faithfulness. He protected my students. The students hadn't come back to school yet when I went into quarantine. He protected my coworkers. All of their tests came back negative. He has helped me with my anxiety and let me shed my tears of frustration. And God gave me Dan to help me with all of the technical issues of distance learning and to be the calm in my storm. He has provided us through all of our needs. Pray with me. Father, we, um, we do come before you and we do recognize that there are still needs in our lives, whether it's family that needs to come to know you, whether it's... Um, just the challenges of balancing life and work and family and all of the demands that come with, um, with just daily life that are intensified by this pandemic. Lord, Wayne said something that um, I think captures so well what you call us to. We're either going to serve you in here or we're going to serve you out there. Lord, no matter where you put us, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what you're doing, you call us to the same thing, to be with you, to be like your son, and to serve you. And Lord, that is most of all what we need help with. And so we appeal to your mercy, to your grace, that you would give us the ability to do that wherever you plant us in whatever the circumstances are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to listen to how this psalm ends. Uh, Got to find one more here to share. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. That was what they wore when they were in grief. And I love it. It's a change of clothes. You have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Here's what Carol Rimple wrote. If you don't know Carol, she lost her husband during this time. God is showing himself so faithful in this entire season. He took Ben out of his misery and hurt and pain unto himself and she put this in quotes, replaced Ben in my life with three orphaned grandchildren to make a precious family for Dave and Cherie and a forever family for Alan, Mason, and Maggie, where they can learn lasting love in a rich and full life and how incredibly much their heavenly father loves them too. That is the right way to end. It is the right way to end. It is how David ends this psalm with an affirmation that God delivers and that David will not be silent in praising God. 
And so let's us end by not be silent in song and praising God one more time. if you had your Bible, that there is kind of a title, a superscript 
that's up above this psalm. And what the title says is that David wrote this for the dedication of the temple. Think about that for a second. David knew he would not be alive when that temple was built. But he wrote this song knowing that someday it would be. Why does he do that? Because David wants the people, when that temple is built, to look at that temple and be reminded that God is present. And the theme of this psalm is that God is dependable and he will deliver. And he wants the people, every time they look at that temple, to remember God will deliver. And that is true of us today. We must leave here remembering that we can trust the faithfulness of our God who will deliver. And so my challenge to you as you leave is to continue telling the stories to one another and to those out there who need to know about the faithful God who delivers. You are dismissed. Thank you for celebrating with us this morning.